believers you got. Okay? I believe we have a great football team. I believe we're going to go out here and win. Okay? But what do we got to do to get it done? What do we got to do? We got to run. Okay? We got to hit. We got to be disciplined. We, I mean, we got to run through chest Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the basement of Holden Hall. This is the 12th installment in the Breslin Breakdown series, Season 2. And the reason why I included that was because Mel Tucker was at Sunday's Michigan-Michigan State game. And despite having a very, very shiny head where you could see everyone's reflection behind him, that man can speak. Doesn't say a lot, but the words he says are very impactful, and it made me want to run through a brick wall. It made you feel like you want to run through someone's chin strap. Yes, almost, like <laughs> yes, said, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So it was I'm a run it, through some chin straps. It was a beautiful, well spoken, well set up halftime thing, and for Michigan State, as we will talk about, having Shake Holly coming back, Spartans with a huge home crowd advantage, and what do they do? Wah wah wah. That's what they do. Exactly. Exactly. But as always, folks, introductions are in order. I'm your man, Nathan Stern, sitting behind the host, Mike, Bobby Zephro, and the first special guest that I think we've had this year on the pod, Darren Baden. And that, folks, is also the Northwestern crew. This was us three who went down to Northwestern and saw Michigan State lose by 30. Spartan. <laughs> and saw Lindsey Pulliam go Kobe. 30, 31 yeah. points, yeah, yeah, and leaves with seven minutes left in the fourth because it's such a blowout. Yeah, great great road trip, but yeah, not a, yeah, not not a, a, not, not a, nice, <laughs> not a nice outcome. No, not, not at all, really. Michigan State, however, doesn't lose by 30 in either one of the games. They go one and two, or one and one, excuse me. Huge road win against Purdue. I think that's probably the Spartans' second best. Win of the year, I think beating Rutgers at the rack's a little bit more impressive, but that's certainly a really, really impressive win at Mackey for Michigan State, especially with the way the Spartans were trailing for the majority of the game. Me, Luke, me and Luke Sloan and Ian Drummond went down there, got a hotel, got a Fairfield Inn and Suites. It was really nice, really nice, but the problem was the hot tub was not a real hot tub. It was uh, like taking a bath in mayonnaise. Bathtub. Yeah, it was like it felt like you were just like sitting in a pile of mayonnaise. Oof. But I mean, we got, I, we got to expand the travel budget then a little bit. It it, it, it 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 wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. But what was really nice was Michigan State winning sixty-five to sixty-three, because this is a game that, frankly, I had circled as a loss going into it. I thought the combination of Ariana Harris, McLaughlin, Odin would be too much for the Spartans, and give Merchant credit because they played a lot better in that second game than they did the first. They really did a good job holding McLaughlin down from beyond the three-point line. She has 11 points, one of three from beyond the arc. Ariana Harris has 20 points, nine rebounds. Dominique Odin, this was the really revealing stat line for me, only six points, three to seven from the floor. You knew you weren't going to stop all three of them. It's just not in the MO. It's hard to stop three really, really good scores. But if you can stop two of them, you give yourself a good shot. Mm -hmm. One player can't score 45 points, and Michigan State did exactly what it had to do going into Mackey, and through all of the shooting struggles that the Spartans had in the first half, especially in the second quarter, I think they went into the break shooting 40%, but they were shooting 68% at the end of the first quarter. So, what does that tell you about the second quarter? Michigan State with that win improved to 14 and 12 and 7 and 8 in Big Ten play. Nia Clouden, who I have been harping on time and time and time again about how rotten she has played, looked out of her element in the first half. Missing driving layups, missing layups from point blank range when she has a solid foot and a half on the trailing defender and misses. But holy Moses, in the fourth quarter, did she prove why this team gives her the ball? Huge, beautiful crossover move to get open. 20 seconds left, pure. Purdue gets the lead, or Purdue ties the game back up at 63. And what does Cloud do with a second left? Right to the rim and scores. And that was, for me, another Ohio State esque performance. Nia Cloud and saying, I'm going to do this myself. Because frankly, when you look around, is there anybody else that you can say, is going to do it themselves. Taryn, maybe, but she's off and on. And then you have Caleb Ellis, Tori Osmond, and Mo Joyner, who are good and who are showing a lot of potential, but who are still inexperienced, and it's not their moment yet. And this was Cloudin's moment, and she delivers a huge, huge road win for the Spartans. 
We talked about how Michigan State has struggled time and time and time and time again away from the road, and this year's proven to be nothing different, but beating Purdue and Rutgers on the road is a heck of an accomplishment for a team that is rolling out three players in the starting lineup that don't have a significant amount of playing experience. For this year, Caleb Ellis really wasn't doing much of anything. Tori Osmond wasn't doing much of anything, and Mo Joyner wasn't on campus. Caleb Ellis goes for 13 points. Tori Osmond, 9 points, 5-5 five five from the free throw line. Sensational on-ball defense. She was on Odin. She was on McLaughlin. Michigan State, in all facets of the game, was really good 47 percent from the floor i don't know why they can only shoot well against purdue maybe you guys have some theories they shoot 46 percent from the floor the first time these two teams play they shoot 47 percent this time and they haven't shot 40 percent against any of the other teams in the past month and a half it's like only against the boilermakers can they shoot well that and i mean the fact that they shot 47 percent after going one for 12 in the second quarter exactly yeah bad 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 well, not even like normally this team doesn't go one for 12 in the second quarter, but yet normally this team doesn't shoot 47% in the game. They'll be like high 30s, low 40s, which a lot of times that can kill you. And I guess Susie, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why we only win against Purdue. I don't know why it, that why that is. And I will say this we got there early and I'm sitting watching warm ups. Two stories. One, I'm sitting there and I see Susie come over to talk to me at a nice probably five, ten minute conversation with her. She was really happy that we were there. Kara Fisher was really happy that we're there. And she was asking how long to take you guys to get down, so on and so forth. And, you know, she's just really impressed that we were making that trip because none of the other media agencies were were there. Callaway, who does this for a living, is not there. Cooney, who does this for a living, is not there. Yeah, and meanwhile, that. us as student journalists who have to balance class and this are willing to go down there and it, it worked out really well from a scheduling aspect being at the end of the week other you know if this was on a monday night or a tuesday night it would have been a lot harder to go down obviously weather the weather was beautiful but i as you drive to purdue there is no civilization no. like I, until you get 10 right. minutes away from the university it's like what there are. I saw more cornfields and tractor stores and country road signs than I had probably, right? and not ever. But it was up there. I mean, I when I was a boy, my mom used to. We used to go from Charlotte to Celine, probably twice a year for Thanksgiving and Christmas to see my uh, family. And when you drive through West Virginia and Southern Ohio, there's much of nothing. But holy Moses, there's no civilization, and it's like. How can anybody be so happy to live here? It's like if you wake up and all you see is like corn for as far as the eye can see, that would drive me crazy. In three days, they'd have to throw me in the loony hot. Yeah. Now imagine driving that by yourself. I even worse. I have some some buddies down there. And yeah, I, I even said on the way down, I'm like, do you realize like you'd pass nothing on the way down? Like it's literally like you said, it's just a sea of corn. I've never seen more corn in my life, and I really, hopefully, don't see more than that on a drive because <laughs> it's just it, like a it's just a sea of nothing. Yes, but I will say the atmosphere at Mackey was mm-hmm. electric. It's like a like they're all on top of you. Like you have the top of the stadium, and it looks like it's about to cave in. But give them credit. Brought the home crowd, brought the home field advantage, but Michigan State threw everything. Was Everybody was solid. Like, you look up and down the starting lineup, and the only one who had a bit of an off night, I would say, is Mo Joyner with only six points, but went three of seven from the floor. Contributed in other ways, but when you can get 22 points from Caleb Ellis and Torrey Osmond combined, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Michigan right. State doing a really good job. Yes, Purdue shoots 46% from the field, but 3 of 12 from beyond the arc, 3 of 12. That's what killed Michigan State in the first game. If if McLaughlin doesn't go off for, what, 24 or 7 to 10 from beyond the arc, they don't win that game. They don't win that game. Right. You got to be comfortable with letting Ariana Harris beat you inside. She's going to get hers, and Purdue's not a great defensive team, as I've evidenced by the fact that Michigan State's able to shoot 45%, which they can't really do against anybody. But for the Spartans, I I don't know how you can go from losing to Penn State on the road. And yes, I know this was a, a long time ago, but how do you beat Rutgers and Purdue, two probable tournament teams, and you lose to Penn State on the road? It's just so hard to predict 
anything that this team is going to do. Anything. Because every time that they get on a three-game win streak, they lose. That's twice now they've been in conference play. Three-game win streak. Fourth game, they have all the momentum in the world. You think they're going to be back. And they've lost at home both times. That first three-game win streak when they beat Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Rutgers, they come back. Host Northwestern, Michigan State at the time was undefeated at home. Northwestern hadn't lost on, on the, the road. road. Yeah, and you go, Michigan State, hmm, three, you know, after the Penn State loss, that really ugly Penn State loss, they rattle off three straight wins, and you start thinking, maybe this team's doing something. Maybe they can really get on a run here. And then they get Molly Wops, 76-48. to 48. Now you beat Rutgers again, Minnesota, and Purdue. Two of those wins are impressive. Rutgers and Purdue are two solid teams, and we'll get to this a little bit more later, but you come out flat is a piece of driftwood against Michigan at home. I don't know how to predict this team. I like it's there's nothing that really makes you think hmm, they're gonna win this game or they're gonna lose this game. If they're not playing Northwestern, Iowa, Indiana or Maryland, they can really beat anybody, and they can also lose to anybody. Yeah, and that's might pretty as well, much might definitely. as well flip a coin if it's outside of those top three teams. Yes, I yeah. mean it's it's kind of crazy, and as a well, as like a journalist too, like trying to analyze this team, it's like you don't know what, like you said, you don't know what they're gonna do next. And then from a fan's perspective, it's like very very frustrating. It's like you know, you show us like it's like it's almost like in a relationship like someone like leading you on almost like all right like i really like this girl and she she seems like she likes me and then she goes and just 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 leaves just like all right i'm gonna go with trucker daniel and spend, trucker. spend the rest of my are you life talking from experience i was gonna say about it that yeah pretty much that sounds no. a little close the, to... the fact that you're just like saying that with no pausing and you're getting riled up there, there's a story that we're gonna have to pry out of him later Stance, do you think any girl could walk away from this this face um, uh, I <laughs> am going to refrain yeah, from uh, cool, cool. commenting <laughs> on your no comment rom- romantic anyway, life. It's just, it's just like, it's weird. It's just, this team really is an anomaly. Because. Lack of better words. And the problem really. is, I it, it's not fair for us to go on here and say they stink, they're horrible, they're a joke because they're not. But yeah, they're not Northwestern or Maryland either. They're, mm-hmm. no, they're in essence, no. they're in college basketball purgatory. Yeah. They're exactly what they are, 14 and 13 and 7 and 9 in conference. That's about as mediocre as it gets. And if they win the next two games against Illinois and Penn State, who are awful, as they should, they're 9 and 9. And they finish the season, the regular season, 16 and 13. Doesn't get get more mediocre than that. You look at a team like Michigan State, and at least for me, I've always contemplated and wondered, how do you lose to Penn State but you also can beat Ohio State, who's 10-6 and six in conference. You can go to Mackey and beat Purdue, who's got a 500 record in conference. You can beat Rutgers twice, who's 9-7 and seven in conference. You can hang with Indiana. You can hang with West Virginia. But you're struggling against teams like Wisconsin. The first three quarters of that game weren't pretty. You lose to Penn State. You just don't know. You don't know. And in the column that I wrote at the end of the Michigan game, I basically said that's been the story of this season is three, four, five games where that have made all the difference. Michigan State's able to turn some of them. They are a tournament team. West Virginia, right yep. down to the end, lose by yep. six. Florida State was a game Michigan State should have won. They led from halfway through the third or the first quarter until the fourth and blew it. Iowa, neck and neck, tie game. I think it was 53-53 all in the fourth quarter. Blow it. Iowa finishes the game on like a 22-24, 21-4 run. Michigan, both times, Spartans have lost to Michigan, down by four going into the fourth. And in this one, Michigan State had all the momentum because they were down by 15 and a half, and then you trim that lead to four, you have the crowd back in it, you have your new football coach. This is the second to last game that uh, Nia Holly, that Shea Colley, that Terry McCutcheon is ever going to play, and you can't get it done. You take the lead, everything's going your way, and you can't get it done. So I don't know where the rubber meets the road with this team, but for me, those four or five games have made all the difference in the world. If the Spartans can flip, let's just say, the West Virginia, Florida State, LSU game, that's another game I didn't mention, LSU, Mm -hmm. as we talked about early, early, earlier in our previous podcast editions, but they're up... Was it 14 halfway through the third? 
and they blow out. They can't score. Lose that game by two, and LSU's looking like a probable tournament team. So this team has shown an affinity to hang with the big boys and give the big boys a big run for their money. But what separates a mediocre team from a good and a great team is being able to win those games, and they haven't been able to do it. Which is why when they beat someone like Purdue, it's almost frustrating because it's where was this mm-hmm. three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. How do you get killed by Purdue at home and you go on the road and win? Why is it the only two good teams you can beat are Purdue and Rutgers? What's so different about those two teams that you can't apply to Michigan? And I don't know if you guys have any theories or well, anything, but for me, I, I, I'm, I'm stumped. I don't know. I mean, injuries haven't helped. Obviously, Jake Holly's been out for two months. So, I mean, that takes you know one of your leading scorers out of your lineup. And obviously, for a lot of those games, if you have someone else who can consistently – you know, get their own shot. Who can who can make scoring opportunities? Then you know that could be a big difference in a lot of the games where it's been close, whether they've been down or whether they've been tied or going up, and where you know they let the get, game get away from them late. They've had obviously Cooks and Gaines being being out for you know a significant amount of time has hurt their depth in the front court. Although I you know Caleb Bell's has overall played pretty well. Yes, I feel like. yes, you know, she's, she's de- gotten a lot yeah, better. She's gotten a lot, a lot better, tougher. Yeah, a lot tougher. There. No, she's stand- She's definitely been standing out to me in the last several games. She's able to. She's always able to. To me, she's just someone who you know, in terms of watching game, watch this team over the past month and a half, couple last couple of months. She is. She's always able to be in a lot of. She's a very like a right place, right time, kind of player. I don't know. Just if there's ever like if she's just always to have the right kind of like, you know, right place to get a rebound, right place to get a quick, you know. Easy buckets, stuff like that. But, you know, injuries have been a part of it, I think. Um, you know, mainly with Kali because, again, it's like you're losing, you know, if she would have been healthy, you'd have three players who can all average double digits and all get at their least. own shot. Yeah, at, at least. least. And, you know, I mean, other players, you know, we've seen Joyner step up at times. We've seen Bell step up at times. Tori Osmond has moments. And so it's nice to see that there's potential there. But if Kali would have been able to – if Kali never gets hurt, it's – you know, I think it's they probably at least have a few more wins, if not more than that. So I think that's in terms of just looking at who hasn't been available for them over this stretch. Um, I think you know, I I definitely think that's part a significant part of it. Well, I'll also say this, like on the topic of the Purdue game, like Stearns alluded to earlier, Carissa McLaughlin went seven for eleven in the first could game. Not she could was, yeah, not she miss. Could not And then this game, she only gets off three threes in total. No, so that, obviously they came in with a game plan like, all right, when she gets the ball beyond the arc, she can't shoot. We can't like we can't let her shoot. Obviously, based on the results of last game, I mean she's base, not basically the reason because I remember Odin had a very good game as well last Bird, time. Out. She had sixteen, but yeah, when Michigan State was making a run in the fourth, it was her. Yeah, she was the one oh, making no, the crazy yeah, shots. I mean, I, I I called that game and McLaughlin. Mm. I mean, she every. Every time Michigan State would make a basket and, and it looked like they had a chance to come back, she just buried a three. Whether it was off the catch, off the dribble, pull up, just whatever fashion. It's it it was just it was actually I mean it was so crushing as you know to be as a fan of MSU. But at the same time, it's like it's it's amazing. It's yeah, it's to amazing watch. to it's watch like, because dang, it's just like it's oh like, my. God, you got to appreciate the good no. basketball. There's yep. nothing you can. Yes. Yep. No, I mean, if you're merchant, I'm not, I wouldn't be mad at my players. It's like she's hitting a shot from half court. What are you supposed to do? Exactly. You can yeah. live with that. Yeah, and I think it's similar to like watch. You know, I've I've, bought, I've watched both of the games against. North, you know, I've called both of the games against Northwestern this season. Obviously, we were there down in um, Evanston a little earlier. You know, earlier, uh, a little earlier, and you know, watching Lindsey Pulliam is just like it's. She's just, she just goes out there. It doesn't matter how hard of a shot you make for. Her. I mean, I remember from the game at Northwestern, she was, you know, she lost the ball and she was falling. It seemed like she was almost falling out of bounds. She just flicks up, a, you know, a, a, a desperation shot and just sticks it. I'm just like, oh my! Like every God. shot she put up, you thought, oh, that's going in. Yeah, and like- so <laughs> no, and so you know, I mean, and the and especially when it comes to Purdue, McLaughlin had 24, Odin had 22, Harris had 60. I mean, the, all those three had. They, they, it's basically those three hold, hold those three drove the team, and obviously the biggest thing was that Harris was the only one that had a pretty good game. You know, McLaughlin only had eleven; they didn't allow her to get that many shots off. Odin was, I mean, only at six points, basically. Uh, you know, in in terms of the grand aspect, basically a non-factor. So, in terms of being able just to do a better job of limiting them to only one of their big three having that kind of game, and one, and it was the one who's 
not going to be the one who's making like all those, you know, a ton of like three point shots and stuff like that. That, you know, it was the best thing. And then, you know, they, they were able to keep it close. And obviously, Nia Cloud and just, you know, you know, uh, steps up and just makes a great Puts game the game on her back. Yep, exactly. And I, I think we've kind of covered all the bases for Purdue because I wanted to spend yeah. most of this pod talking about Michigan just because it is Michigan, Michigan oh, yeah. State. Yeah. Because sure. Susie Merchant sure. holds, a, holds a 23-6 to all-time record against Kim barnes before Sunday's game. And for me, this game was an enigma of everything that's gone wrong for the Spartans this season. I, for the life of me, can't understand how you would need any more motivation to wake up in the morning and say, one, it's Michigan, two, they beat us. Three, we let the game get away. We were at their place, had as good of a shot as they did Mm -hmm. to beat them down by four going into the fourth, and you let it get away. And not only does Michigan State not show up, but they shoot 31%. That can't happen. You have the, the... They have the upper bowl full. That's how crowd it felt like it was an ncaa tournament men's game that was the atmosphere mel tucker's there and that's the product you put on the floor i'm like you gotta be kidding me can't happen cannot happen you cannot let Nas hillman get 26 and 13 that's a wilt chamberlain-esque performance like you knew she was gonna be good and she does it anyway there like you talked about Caleb Ellis and Tyre Parks, and I agree with you, and that they played a lot better lately. But this game, they were non-factors, no, and not no, even non-factors. No. They were getting killed on both sides of the floor. It got so bad you're putting Sydney Dodden in the first half in a rivalry game, and she comes in and gets an and one. And I remember thinking to myself, "Hmm, Shay Collie's inexplicably black back." Sydney Dodd. Gets an and one, mm-hmm. and Mel Tucker's here. It's like, what is this Groundhog Day? <laughs> what kind of backwards world is this? Like, if you would have told me this would happen going into today. <laughs> and I I just, when Kali came out, and I had no idea. I mean, we, we've heard from Susie that she was probably going to be out for the year, that she was going to be out for the year. And she's warming up, like, very slowly underneath the net, just, you know, practicing some left-handed layups and i'm like i don't know if she's gonna play i know she's dressed but i have a feeling Susie's gonna bring her along slowly and if she does play it's gonna be for a very short period of time because she wasn't out she wasn't out for the first half of team warm-ups either she comes running out on the second half but they get her for nine minutes she got a fair amount of playing time as two points one steal wasn't a huge factor and frankly i don't know if she's gonna be a huge factor the rest of the season Susie was talking about how she's just so far out of rhythm offensively with understanding their sets because when you have everybody get hurt, you have to adjust how you play, the plays that you run. You have to adjust around your personnel. You can't fit a circle peg into a no, square hole. No, I mean, you're out for two months in yes. any sport. It's it's just, you It's you have to, it's like a, just a total recalibration And And, and, and Kali, I don't know if she realizes that this is what we were doing in the offseason, these are the plays that we were drawing up, you know, playing around Coco playing, me playing, so on and so forth. And she comes back, and it's not really any semblance of what they were doing. Just because, you know, you weren't thinking Mo Joyner, Tori Osmond, Nia Holly, all these people would be starting at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But that's what's happening. And for me, Michigan State, obviously, is in the third quarter, trims the deficit to four. Now you're down by four again. You're at that magic watermark you were down by 15 excuse me 40 to 25 and a half and you make it a four-point game so obviously you have the crowd in you just tra- you just outscored michigan by 11 Nas hillman was a non-factor you take the lead in the fourth at the 758 mark and i remember this clearly nia cloud and wide open dribble drive layup finishes they're now up 49 to 48 and i'm like whoever makes this next, the next basket's gonna win because this is the point when either they're going to go for the jugular and win the game or they're going to dink around and before they know they're going to be down by six and they did the latter. Mm. Proceed to not score for the next three minutes and you look up and it's like, oh, we're down by six again. So everything that we just did, all the energy that we expended to put ourselves in this spot to have the game for the taking is gone again. And give Michigan credit, 
got fouled a lot. Yeah, that was a, 39 free throw attempts. It was a huge foul, 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 huge foul. Disparity. And I'm not I'm not one who ever likes to go after the rest because I don't think it would have made a difference. Let me paraphrase. Well, you may get that out. You shoot 31% on the floor in a game you don't deserve to beat anybody. No, no. But I very rarely have I ever seen Merchant that visibly upset. Call after call after call, she was not happy, to put it lightly. And she's not one who gets mad hardly at all at the refs. And it's at home, too. Like, that's the thing. Like, you, like for, for, for a road team... Just in any just in any circumstance to get that many calls on the road, it's eh, you know it's a little it's it's kind of strange. Normally, you don't usually see it's not, it's not something I think you see very often. And along with that, I mean, Mich- I mean, they kill them on the boards. Forty nine, twenty nine yeah, can't happen. I mean, no, that's the, wing, I mean, the wings were soft. No, and and that, 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 those are Susie's words, not mine, but I agree with them. Yeah, Bellis non factor around the rim. Getting boxed out by Hillman. Sydney Dodd, when she came in, Hillman was out of the game, and Dodd's missing rebounds. The Michigan guards, it's like, you just, where's the physicality? Mm-hmm. Like, what more motivation than you need? It's the University of Michigan who beat you already. This is yeah. a school who you've beaten time and time and time again. Merchant has had Kim Barnes Rico's number. Last time that Michigan swept Michigan State was 2014 2015. So over the last five years, either Merchant's taken both of the contests like she did last year, or they split. So in this game, Michigan has been the little brother in this series, yeah. but not this year. Nope. And I was talking to Taryn McCutcheon after the game, and she was despondent because this is her last time, one of her last times, and no offense, that's the last big crowd she's going to have with the president. Nobody's going to be there this coming Sunday. I will, but... All the students are going to be on spring break, and it's Penn State. Other than the families who are going to be there for senior night, Michigan, Michigan State is not going to, is going to attract a lot more people than Michigan State, Penn State. Mm-hmm. And I, just for me, there was a fundamental aspect of softness that permeated that entire game. Not rebounding. Both both teams couldn't make a free throw. Michigan shot 64%, but that was largely because Amy Dilk went 9-10 to on right. the four. Yeah. Well, the craziest yeah. part is, too, like when we – well, you didn't go to Michigan, but, you know, when, when, yes. Mich- when, yes, the, yes, when yes. the team went to Michigan, they beat them the same way. I mean, you get out-rebounded by literally 20 the second time around. Like, they were – like, when me and Charlotte were there, I said, I'm like – Oh, like when we were down four going into the fourth quarter, I'm like, I don't know. Them going inside to Nas really looks like it wore us down. And sure enough, we have beat by 20 on the road. So in two games this year against us, Nas Hillman has, let's see, 26 and 13 this past time. And then last time we played at Michigan, it was 21 and 12. So that is 40 what? Oh man, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Forty-seven points and twenty-five rebounds in two games. And and here's the thing with this game, Amy Dilk, not great from the floor. Two of six. Right. Eleven out of her fifteen points come at the line Mm -hmm. because they were like I said they just go inside. Johnson non-factor. Nolan non-factor. Brown non-factor. So everybody other than Nas Hillman, Vera Zhao was good off the bench. I'll give her some credit. Ten points, Uh five boards. I think she's the nephew of Anders and Verja just for a point of reference. But oh, that'll do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nas Hillman's the only reason you lost both games. Because Michigan State, other than Hillman, did a good job not letting Dilk beat them. Dilk was a lot better the first game. Oh, yeah. Second yeah. game. She was leading scorer first game. Yes. This game, Nas Hillman has 26 and 13. And Hillman could have had a lot more. He's only 6 and 13 at the line. Mm. So not only does she miss seven three throws, everybody gets in foul trouble for Michigan State. Before you know, you're playing Nia Holly at the five against Nas Hillman. That's not going to work. If you're going to put Holly at the five at all, you'd want it to be against a smaller, less athletic team, not someone like Michigan, who has a really long front court and a really long back court and rotates in people like Vera Zhao and Kaiser, who are long and athletic and who would be starting on a lot of teams. It, it, it slipped through their fingers because this was one for the taking. When you fight all the way back and you are up and you have all the momentum, you have to go. You can't be dinking around thinking that this game's over. And I don't know if it was because they got in their own little heads. But after the game, again, I saw Susie Merchant just, she understands the fact that 
these freshmen have so much potential, but they're continuing to make stakes that would that are losing them games. And that if the switch was turned just a little bit more to the right, they'd be in the tournament. That's how close these margins are. Well, let me let me throw this at you. I think then, as you know me, Nate, I take you know experience is a huge thing. Maybe they take this into next year. The freshmen, they're just like, yeah, remember how a few you know misplays got us out of the tournament, basically. And their minds are going to be like, well, we don't want that to happen again. We don't want to miss the tournament, you know, two years in a row. Especially, you know, you only got four. You got four shots to go. Yes, you, got, you get yeah. four, and you waste. Well, not waste, but you don't make it a court. You know, you're already twenty five percent of your chances are gone. Yes. So the fact that they missed one next year, I really think they could take this experience and just. They are going to be scary next year. Watch out in the Big mm-hmm. Ten, and that's why I know. This is not something that McCutcheon and Holly envision going to the WNIT or that Shea envision, but for the freshmen, anytime you get to play against an opposing jersey in a postseason tournament, it means something. Right. And for me, what I see is a bunch of players who are on the cusp of being really good. They just got to put, there's no question, there's not a lack of talent here. With some schools, it's like, okay, the coaching's good, but you've pushed a player as far as they can go. Caleb Ellis, Moira Joyner, Julie Aroll, Tori Osmond, who's really impressed me lately with her ability to get to the net, with her just made Michigan's perimeter players miserable on the wing, just was hounding them on defense, getting Michigan players frustrated, draws an intentional foul on Verja because Verja gets frustrated. She's turned it on. She's going to be in the running to start at the four. We all know what Caleb Ellis can do. We all know what Mo Joyner can do. We all know what Nia Clowden can do. The only real question for the Spartans next year is where do you put Kendall Bostick being a huge recruit? How does Eliza Winston factor into the equation? How does mm-hmm. Tyre Parks? Because other than Nia Holly and Taryn McCutcheon, not really losing much. You basically had to play this entire year without Shea Holly. Yep. This year's what next year's going to be like because this player, these players don't have Shea Holly. You lost Coco Gaines before conference play really even began and kicked off. So you've been playing without those two since pretty much the season since the conference season began. So can I ask both of you guys something? Yeah. What, what yep. do you, what is your guys' opinion of Shea Collie coming back? I, I'm honestly, it's really not, it's not fair for me to comment on that okay. because I don't know. She wasn't on the sideline for most of the games no, and mm-hmm, I don't, yeah. and I don't know why. And it's not fair for me right. to wonder why. Right. Um, with that being said, it's a huge morale boost for this team. Oh, yeah. Not definitely. even what she does, but you're just looking across the floor and you see that she's there. That alone, the morale boost, the senior leadership, the really good defense, that adds a lot for this team because that's someone who you have to respect. Doesn't matter if she's at 50%, 60%, so on and so forth. She will make you pay if you do not give her the respect that she deserves. And at least from a basketball perspective, it makes them better. And... As someone that's done a lot of the games, we've all three done a fair amount of the games, team loves her. Team mm-hmm. adores her. Mm-hmm. So her being out on the floor improves the morale of that locker room so much. Yeah. And from that aspect, I think it's a good thing. And I don't know what went behind closed doors, but it does strike me as a little bit odd that Gaines and uh, Marjorie Cook, who had those season-ending injuries, were on the floor the next day, and we don't see her for a two-month period. I don't know if that was Team Canada. I don't know if she was rehabbing. But it's like, are, are you re- really rehabbing at 8 o'clock at night on a Monday? I mean, no. I, I, <laughs> so I, I don't know. But with that being said, I don't know what you're going to get. I don't think you're going to get much of nothing at this point. No, not right She's now. too far out of the, out of the um, from a playing condition a- aspect from, as Susie was alluding to, just not knowing what the plays right, are. From not, a system aspect. Yes, yeah. yes, because, like, Susie's had to, re- like, this is, you know, the plays that we were going to run coming into the season, you have to throw that out the window because you can't drop the same things for Mo Joyner and Tori Osmond that you would for Shea Collie. You just can't. Not so yet. now, but the, yeah. the question is, this team's identity is pretty much set in stone. Mm. She comes back with three games left in the regular season, and then you have the Big Ten tournament, and then you have the WNIT. So you're pretty much at the point now where what you get is what you get. And I, I this is one of those things where, you got to expect the worst and hope for the best. I don't think you can expect her to really give you 
20 points a game. There's no, no way. No. If anything now, she's a slightly better version of what Nia Holly is. Yeah. Decent rebounder, good communicator, good on-ball defender, and is going to be able to score a little bit more. That's probably where I think her ceiling is at this point. Yeah. And no, I mean, and no, no yeah, I definitely agree. Like, morale boost is for, and, and that's why when I saw that she was going to play against Michelle, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, this is, I mean, this is, I'm thinking like, all right, well, obviously they're going to probably be thinking like, oh, how could they not be like fired up for this? They're getting one of their best players back. It's a huge, you know, it's a huge presence for a huge game. It's a rivalry game. It's like, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, I'm I'm expecting like this to be like, I'm expecting as much physicality from Michigan State as I've ever seen them. And it's like, you know, it doesn't go that way. Although, you know, again, they did get, they, you know, they tied and they came ahead and, you know, by the end of the third and beginning, you know, in, in the fourth quarter. But it's just... No, I mean you're right. I mean she's again being out for two months, for any you know, in any sport that you're in. It's just it it's so long, it's so long where you know you're having to rehab the injury and then you know much less you know get any trying game. To, and by the end you're just getting back, you know in terms of whether you know on the court just getting just getting back and trying to get yourself reacclimated and get yourself ready and then. You know, obviously, in the first game back, it's like you know, it's not just a tune-up game; it's it's your rival against Michigan at the Breslin in the biggest crowd that you're going to have probably all season. So it's like you know, it's it's a it's a high it was a high pressure situation to bring her back in, and you know, it's just it's it's just gonna have to be like whatever she gives you through the rest of the season at this point. It's a bonus. It's, yeah, it, no, it's, it's icing it's on the bonus. cake. It's a bonus. Obviously, obviously, you would hope that nothing. Obviously, you would hope that she doesn't. Knock on wood, she doesn't re-injure herself in any other way. But, um, yeah, but it's just, you know, it it definitely, you know, I think for just fans it would be nice. It, it, you know, I'm sure it would be nice just to see her just go out. And maybe she's able to put together, you know, some nice, you know, as she, as she, if she's able to reacclimate herself quickly, she, you know, she can put the, maybe have some nice performances just to go out on a good note and just to, just to, you know, just to be – so it's not as just like, you know, so just like being, you know, the injury just doesn't define how her career at Michigan State ended. But, um, yeah, I, I would say definitely at this point, just a more more of like, I think, you know, getting elite, you know, it's unfortunate that she hasn't been around because, you know, if if she was, you know, you don't, you know, you know, having that presence could maybe help them again, you know, even just having her presence um, on a more consistent basis could have helped them in different situations. But, um. Yeah, but yeah, we'll just, you know, yeah, it, it you know, it's just gravy at this point, basically. So here's what I'm going to ask you guys. Uh, is this season an overall failure because they're not going to make the tournament? The big dance. I mean, they'll make the WNIT. I personally say no, and I'll mm-hmm. save it. I'll save my take for last. What do you guys think? I mean, it's, it was probably, I mean, I'm sure going, I mean, going in every, you know, every, you know, no matter what your projections are, that's like every team has the aspiration and every team wants to have those goals. I mean, you know, it's, again, it's something where if Kali doesn't get hurt and she's able to play through the whole season, it maybe could have been a more of a realistic, a slightly more realistic expectation, but it, it's just with how, with, with how up and down just the team has been in general, like, you know, even with Kali, it may have been still, you know, maybe the team still could have been, so inconsistent, but no, I I don't think it's an overall failure. I think that it's just you know they've, you know, it's just been it's just been a very it's it's been an inconsistent year, and obviously it's not something that, you know, it's not something that you know players like McCutcheon and Holly are gonna want to have to remember by as in terms of their you know in terms of the end of their careers at, at MSU. But um, I think that looking at how it's going to how this year is going has been in terms of development of players like Joiner. Bellis, Osment, um, you know, Ariel, other and others, like I, you know, I think the narrative can be like, okay, yeah. Was it inconsistent? Yeah. Was it was it very hot and cold? Yeah. It wasn't maybe what you would have wanted to close out the careers for Terry McCutcheon, Shea Colley, and Nia Holly. But when you look at the progress all those young freshmen sophomores made, it's like, well, this is really and along with Nia Cloud, um, although she also a sophomore, um, you know, I think that the narrative coming in for next year could definitely be that, you know, it, you know, it was a bit of a transition year, but I think that it's, it's going to, it, it's, it's going to, I think, serve a purpose for the future is what I think the ultimate. Yeah. Could come out I, for. I agree. I agree. Bobby, you got anything to. Yes. Um, no season. Well, I don't want to say no season is ever a failure, but most seasons are not failures. 
And that is because, once again, these young kids get to come out here, big, you know, big life, big stage, big 10 for a year. You get that under your belt and going into next year, you know, they could really build. And plus, you know, we have another good recruiting class coming in. And as we said, it's I don't want to say it was a blessing for Gaines and, you know, Cali to not play really. But, you know, getting those I always say getting those young players experience is one of the best things you can yeah. do for a team and to set you up for success it may be ugly at first you're gonna baptism have by pains. fire yeah baptism yeah. by fire yeah. you're gonna have some growing pains yeah. but I mean the final product it looks pretty nice <laughs> compared to those growing pains so no yeah I, I wouldn't call it a failure and and like as NIT would be huge for this group especially just on the fact of ex- like on the basis of experience mm-hmm. so I would say if you make the NIT, that's awesome. If you don't, like I said, I wouldn't call it a failure, but it would be not as successful. Just make the NIT, get some more games under your belt, and we'll play for next year. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at the very least, you know, they. I mean, at the very least, putting having these, you know, having these younger players coming in, it's like, you know, I mean, it's like, well, I mean, you, do you, what do you got? You got it. I mean, do you have the capability to step in and be able to do this? And, you know, and be able to do this. And you know, I think they've shown overall that they do. And so again, yeah, like you said, but it's just for next year. I think that this could be, you know, it can just this, you know, it can be just the, it can at the very least, this can be definitely the first, the first step for them to be able to to be able to go and turn into like really, you know, real difference makers for this team going down the line. And I'm gonna take a different perspective because I'm not gonna sweep the record the injuries, everything under the rug. But when you look at where this team was, where they were projected to be from being second to third in the Big Ten, that was all contingent on the fact that Shea Colley, Victoria Gaines, Mardrika Cook, Julia Ayral, so on and so forth, would be healthy for pretty much the entire season. Yeah, yes, yeah. This was the equivalent of Northwestern losing Veronica Burton and Lindsay, Lindsay Pulliam. Oh, yeah, definitely. And if they lose those two, they're not going to be 500 in play. No. So for Michigan State... The fact that they are two games away, they have two very winnable games coming up against the two teams, Illinois and Penn State, who have a combined conference record of 3-29, and that's horrible. Um, I just think speaks to me that you can go 500 in conference play, you finish 16-13 and 13 above 500, you can pretty much stamp your ticket by the end of this week to the WNIT. You can pretty much do whatever you want in conference play, because for the WNIT, there's two major contingents. You have to be above 500, including conference tournament. So if you're 15 and 15 and you're losing your first game of the conference tournament, you're 15 and 16. That doesn't count. It's not just regular season record. You win these two games, you're 16 and 13. You would be probably the ninth seed. So you're right in the middle of the conference, and no team has lost more. And you still managed to have a respectable finish, nine and nine. For me. Huge coaching job by Susie Merchant. Oh. I think you got to give her turning what would have derailed most teams and would have just caused them to wave the white flag. She musters something. Is it an NCAA tournament appearance? No. But the WNIT is not the CBI. And if this team hosts a couple games, watch out, okay? They could make a little bit of a run. Yeah. Because... All things considered, strength of schedule's been insane. That's not something you can sweep under the rug. When you have a five-game stretch of Northwestern at Iowa, home against Purdue at Maryland, at Northwestern, with not a lot of time off, that stinks. And the schedule makers really don't do Michigan State any favors over that stretch. But the Spartans right now, 14-13, and 7-9, and nine, you have nice wins over Kansas State, Rutgers twice, at Purdue, home against Ohio State, at Notre Dame. It's not like this team's been a failure. Now, for someone like Illinois, Penn State, I think that question has to be raised because I don't care about all the development in the world. When you're 7-20, and 20, that's really bad. And it, it, it it's a huge blotch on this team's mark that Michigan State's that only win that Penn State was able to muster. But it seems like for every team, there's always that one bad loss. Oh, yeah. That I mean, this the Iowa men's team went on the road and lost to Nebraska. It's always there's always that one ugly blotch, and I fully expect Michigan State to win these next two games. I do, I do. I mean, Illinois is one player in double figures, and other than that, their their two through four scores are all averaging eight points. They are a rough, rough team. Penn State's even worse, so there is no reason at all, regardless of venue, 
regardless of this, that, or the other, why you shouldn't win both of them. Especially on Sunday, Penn State's senior night. Okay, this is Michigan State's easiest home game in conference play this entire year. There is no reason why you shouldn't, if you're Nia Holly, you're Terry McCutcheon, you shouldn't be happy in the fact that this is a game you can easily win. If you go out and do what you, if they do what they did against Michigan, they'll win. Okay, they weren't great against Michigan, but they did enough. to. They played good enough against Michigan to make me think that they can beat these lesser opponents. And I fully expect the Spartans to win these two games. And let's say they beat Illinois and Penn State. 9-9, and 16-13, you go to the conference tournament with a two-game win streak in tow. You get the all-important that you're not in that first opening day, 11-14, 12-13. And then... I think they would play that Thursday, and I'm assuming they get the nine seed because when you look at the standings, Nebraska, who's a half game behind, is seven and ten, but Michigan State has the tiebreaker, and Nebraska's next two games are at Maryland, home against Ohio State. Two tough games, especially at Maryland. It's not a game Nebraska's going to win. Then, obviously, Minnesota, who's two games behind, Michigan State has the tiebreaker. So really, the Spartans, the lowest they can drop, I think, is tenth. I don't think there's any mathematical way that they would have to play in the first four because other than Penn State, Michigan State's done a good job of beating the teams that are worse than them. You beat Nebraska at home. You beat Minnesota at home. You beat Wisconsin at home. So you're 3-1 and one against the teams that are below you in the standings. They've done a relatively good job of taking care of business on that side of the spectrum when they need to. And that second, that second game that I was talking about would be an 8-9 matchup. Those are toss-ups. That right now would involve Michigan State playing Purdue again Mm -hmm. for the third time. And it's anybody's guess as to how that game goes. Does McLaughlin shoot 10 threes? If she does and makes five of them, Michigan State probably loses. If she only scores, you know, 10, Michigan State probably wins because Purdue doesn't play very good defense. And Michigan State has had success now twice, scoring with regularity against the Boilermakers. If Michigan State wins that, you're 17 to 13. I don't. There's no way they make the tournament unless they, you know, go out and win. They're not going to do that. But their road is kind of plowed at this point. Barring something extreme, they're not going to miss the WNIT. They have too good a strength of schedule, too many good wins, too many injuries because the committee does look at injuries. And if I and it is an unbiased, if I'm an a WNIT moderator, I'm looking at the resume, say, okay, 16 and 13, 500 in the toughest conference in college basketball, and they lost two of their seniors. They lost, They had their other senior captain, Terry McCutcheon, playing through stuff that would have held most people out. There's been very few people on this team that are healthy, and they still found a way to finish above five teams in the Big Ten. So maybe six, depending. Purdue's got two tough games this week, too. It's not out of their own possibility that Michigan State could leap Purdue, and then you're eighth in the standings. You're eighth out of 14th. Not great, but you're right in the middle. And it's like this, for most teams, would have just completely derailed them and they would have flopped over. And State's managed to keep it respectable. And if they win these two games, there will be postseason basketball in East Lansing. Maybe not what you intended, maybe not what you would initially hope for, but it's something. It's better than sitting on your couch doing nothing. It's missing sk- out on reps. It gives you something <laughs> to play for. It gives you a positive note to go out on. And for a lot of teams, look at Northwestern last year, off and on year. And then they go to the WNIT, go to the go to the WNIT title, lose to Arizona. But look at what they're doing now. And at least for me, this isn't a team I say, okay, goes to the WNIT, gets bounced. Uh, this is a team I say, go to the WNIT and could make some noise because they would probably host the first two games and I would expect them to win both of them. And then all of a sudden you're in the Sweet 16, and of course you're not going to be playing anybody that's elite. That's why you have the NCAA tournament. So they're battle-tested. They're going to be more battle-tested than just about any WNIT team through the adversity, through the strength of schedule. Nothing's going to surprise them. Some of these WNIT you know, mid-major schools that probably had 25 wins, they're going to get down and be like, oh, what do we do? We're not used to this. Not Michigan State, because they've had to fight through everything. So not only do what I not consider this season a failure, I would even say it's a success. Combined with the youth development that you guys talked about, combined with the fact that this team has been decent, and the fact that Michigan State and Susie Merchant once again proves why she's one of the best coaches in the country. Made something out of nothing. Yep. You made 
he got dealt a really bad hand, not just injuries, but the timing of the injuries. This wasn't something that happened the first week of the regular season. If this happens in November, it's like, okay, I got Eastern Michigan, I got UAD Mercy, I got Oakland, Hartford. I have four games to kind of rep people in. Mm-hmm. No, this was a conference game. Going Gaines is out versus Indiana. Collie was in and out, and then they finally shut her down. And then it's like, oh, crap, conference plays be gone, and now I got a bunch of people that haven't played. There was no time to really revamp everything. You just had to giddy up, go. And they won a fair amount. You have a three-game winning streak in there. You just have a three-game winning streak. And if the Spartans do what they've done all year, they'll find a way to beat Illinois. Because, again, Illinois, and that game's tomorrow in Champaign, is not good. And I know I was talking to Susie. She's like, yeah, they can shoot. They have some players. That's just a coaching phrase. Nobody, No coach is ever going to say to an opposing coach, eh, no, they suck. That's just <laughs> not in in the MO. But, I mean, when you look at the Illinois line, Holinska for Illinois, the Czech Republic native, averages 13.5 points a game and shoots 43% from the arc. Huh. Other than that, next leading score is averaging 8 points. Yeah. Not going to cut it. Nope. Not going to cut it. So what you do is you do what every team has done. You double Holinska, run her off the three-point line, and you meet somebody else from Illinois beat you. And nobody's been able to do that. I mean, Illinois traditionally has been one of those programs that struggled in the Big Ten. Not a good – I mean, Michigan State's kind of been in the middle, make the tournament, make the tournament, make the tournament, go to the round of 32, but not like compete. But they're on the upper level. Illinois, on the other hand, you hire Nancy Fahey, who won, God, 700-some-odd games – at Washington University, which is a D3 school, you win five titles. She gets hired. She's been 30, she, including this year so far, 30 and 58. It's not translated. The D3 success has not translated to D1 success. And Illinois is a program that's been stuck in mediocrity for a very, very long time. And then you look at Penn State, who's even worse, who when you look at the RPI, NCAA, NET rankings, is in the 200s. Ugh. Because Penn they haven't won a game i got it pulled up right here you know seven and 20 terrible 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 record penn state hasn't won a game since january 12th and won a game in a month and what is that going on a month and two weeks month and a half roughly really bad really bad and there's no reason at all why the spartans shouldn't be able to win both of these games with relative ease and if they're able to do that watch out to the wnit because I, if Michigan State gets the eight seed, it's not out of the realm of possibility. They win that first game. They go 17-13. Then you probably you get into the quarters and you have to play someone like Maryland, Iowa. I think that's where it would end. Then you're 17-14. and 14. You're easily going to the WNIT. Yep. And not only are you going, but you're going to have home field advantage and you're going to be playing a mid-major, smaller school. And you have a chance, if nothing else, go to the WNIT Sweet 16, the WNIT Elite 8, and there's something there. There is something there. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're going to win it, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say they could go on a little bit of a run because this team's hard to beat at home. And the more that Michigan State, it's going to depend on how the metrics check out and everything. There's still games that need to be played. But for a team like MSU, who's beaten RPI top, I think has five, six RPI top 100 wins, who's in the top 100 themselves for the RPI, who has that really big strength of schedule. You look at losses in Q1 games, and Michigan State's played so many of them. West Virginia's really good. Indiana's good. LSU's good. Michigan's good. All tournament teams. Syracuse tournament team. Really the only team the Spartans have lost to this year that's not going to make the tournament is Penn State. Every one of those other 13 losses is against a decent, like, really tournament caliber team. No bad losses. You have enough good wins, and your record, even though it's not great, you have to dig a little bit deeper and see what this team went through. So you can, it's not fair to just look and say, oh, this team was projected to finish second in the Big Ten standings without saying, well, what would the equation have been if you would have told Susie, okay, yeah, but you're going to lose Shea Colley, Marjorie Cook, Victoria Gaines, Tori Asmit will miss a couple games with a concussion, Taryn McCutcheon will be at 60% for two weeks, Kayla Bellis will be in and out, Julia Arolt will miss a couple games with the flu. Chances are they probably go from second to 12th. And she's made this team better than, frankly, what I thought they would be. And that's a props to her because she demands excellence, and this team next year is going to be really, really good. 
really good. You give Caleb Ellis another season where she's not rehabbing, she's working on her game. Mm-hmm. Nia Clouded. The only question for me, and I don't know if who's going to be the vocal leader for this team next year, because you would think it'd be Cloud in the two-year starter, but that's yeah. just not in her MO. Not a screamer, not a loud threat. I was thinking maybe Osmond or, or Joyner, because I've seen both of those two be a lot more vocal and show a lot more oomph. You know, Osmond getting the tough charges, Joyner mixing it up in the paint. Those two have started to scream, which is another thing I've liked. Yeah. They know what they're supposed to be doing, so they're starting to demand it. There's been a, a big player accountability thing, but I, I don't know who steps up in that leadership role next year. I don't. And I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have any theories, but for me, I have no idea. I mean, Ozma, Ozma definitely is someone who it seems. I mean, both her and Joyner, you know, Joyner, especially. Um, I, th- I believe it was the game against. Um, uh, the last, it was I think the ga- the game against Minnesota where she had I think like ten rebounds or more or something like that, and that was her first double digit rebounding game of her career, and. You know, and Osmond is playing more physical, so it's it's nice to see, yeah, like seeing them put a, more of that grit on display. Um, I think it's some it's something that I don't think it. You know, Susie Merchants, Susie Merchants just gonna have to find that out. I don't think you're gonna be able to. For, I don't know if you, I don't think it's necessarily good, something that she's gonna be able to really force out of anyone. It's just it's it's just you just hope that you know as the next you know once the next season approaches, as you're you know as you're going you know as you're as you're getting, as they're gearing up, getting ready for it, that just the natural, just in a natural way, whether it's maybe clouding, you know, changes it up her, in terms of her demeanor. Maybe she recognizes that, hey, you know, I'm the, I'm, I'm a veteran, I'm a veteran on this team now. You know, it's, it might be time for me to speak up more, or maybe it's Joyner, or maybe it's Osmond, or, or whoever else. It's just you just hope that the idea, ideally, you would want, you would want, however many players that just naturally step in there. Because you don't want to try and force players into that role where it's just not them and where that's not where they're comfortable. So it'll be interesting to see. But no, I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, all, all those players, I think, you know, being able to go to the WNIT, just being able to have more of those younger players get experience, set them up for better success, better success next year, and giving, I would say, giving Tara McCutcheon and Shea Colley and Nia Holly, you know, a little better. Send, send off, off yeah. send off you know that would be nice for them but no it would definitely be ideal um it can only help you know it can only help this team moving forward and mark and, my words senior night when Terry mccutcheon kisses that spartan there's not gonna be a dry eye oh, no. there's not gonna be a dry eye i mean i'm an emotionless fool and even <laughs> i think i mean it's just everything that she's encompassed with this program playing through everything she going into this year thought was a good player, but was going to be more of a complimentary piece. Yeah. I didn't think she would have to be the player. Yeah. I mean, Nia Clouden obviously is the player from a scoring aspect, but I mean from a personality aspect. No, she's... From someone who hit... She's got to be the one to say, you you bleeped up the play. Oh, yeah, no. she's she That's is, not Nia. She's the encore. I mean, listen, there is... I mean, obviously she's been playing through you know, the injuries with her finger and other and other stuff. I mean, she's had you know, just the, the face injury she had. Um, again, you know, I think it was against Michigan where she had that injury. Um, she's, you know, she's had a tough out of lot. She's a warrior. Stuff. She's a warrior. No, she's had a tough out of lot of stuff, and she's had to, you know, she's just, she's, you know, her, her performances score. You know, say what you want about her performances scoring wise, she's not always the most consistent scorer, and she doesn't all, you know, and she can just from a player standpoint, you know, again, hot, you know, Cloud may be the, you know, Cloud may, you know, again, scoring wise, yeah, for Cloud, but. She is definitely when you watch this team and when you watch McCutcheon, you you know who is, you know, you know who's like, you know, that you know, that it you know, she's you know, she's the one. Like she's the one that's 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 the head of this team. She's the one that's keeping everything, you know, she's the one along with, you know, the in terms of the play you know, in terms of the probably the player leader, she's the one that's keeping everything in check and just her ability to just play through pain. And just keep going, and and even and even if you know, just keep no matter what, no matter how the game is going, just keep giving her all every single play. Hey, no, it's inspiring to watch. It's incredible. It's real. It's it's incredibly inspiring to watch. And you know, she's, I mean, she's had a very good. She's had a good career, and um, and then, you know, that's why again, like being able to go to the WNIT it would be just for her, just be able to go out, you know, on a good note or anything close to a good note. You know, it'd be it'd, it'd be just you know from a semi standpoint, it'd be very necessary. You got any, Bobby? I think that kind of encompasses it. You got anything to, anything to add? I mean, you've been I kind mean, of quiet over there, yeah. buried into your. Um, Darren said a lot of it on the topic of 
McCutcheon especially for that senior night. Um, like you said, there won't be a dry eye in the building. It'll be especially like the things that she's gone through and the fact that like as we've stated before, this season didn't really go as any of the seniors really planned, you know, picked second to finish in the con- in, by the coaches in the conference, and then you finish up maybe 500. We Obviously, we don't know yet, but around hovering around 500, that is a disappointment. But just the fact, all the investment she's made to this program and the investment all the seniors have really made, it'll, yeah, it'll be a tough, it'll be a tough senior day against Penn State, which... Also, when you were talking about it, you say, you know, you expect it to win. You expect them to win, blah, blah, blah. This is the kind of game I could just see them losing for whatever reason. Just the anomaly that is this team, for some reason, I could I could see them losing. Oh, I'm going to be a very angry, angry little man. Of, it's like not on senior night. <laughs> no, lose, a, lose, it, lose it to him in January, <laughs> but not on senior night. Not on Terry McCutcheon no. and Nia Holly's last guaranteed game in the yeah, Breslin. No. Can't do it. They're going to come out. I feel like if there's if there's any one game where they will come out and give everything they have, like, you know, a sp- it's one thing, even for, it, like, if they were playing – a top team like a Maryland or an, or an Iowa or a Northwestern, they lose. Well, you know, that's that's one thing. But to lose again, a, again mm-hmm. to a team that is one in fifteen in the conference, your only loss, it, your own, you know, the only win is against you. Is against you, and to lose on senior night, to lose for you know, as as you said, to lose to for double McC- their Big Ten. Yeah, win that's total. no. <laughs> I, I think. Listen, I think I they're gonna come out in that game, and they're gonna. You know, I mean, they may not play perfect, but I think they're, they'll probably, I could see them playing as hard as they have all season. They're going to play because they're going to want to, at the very least, in that last game to send, to send those seniors on the, on the best, on the best note they possibly can. Because they, because, you know, that, because again, that's what they, it's what they deserve. And I don't think they're going to do anything less than to compete at that level. And I'll split the difference between you guys. I'm not, Bobby, they're not going to lose. Not going to win by 40 either because it doesn't matter who this team plays. There are stretches of offensive dis- of deficiency that make you want to beat your head through a piece of drywall. But I don't see Purdue or Penn State hanging with this team for 40 minutes. Not with the crowd. Not with the fact that I don't know when Penn State's spring break is, but they might have their mind already in South Beach. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, I'm going to say on Wednesday, Michigan State beats Illinois on the road, seventy to fifty-five, and against Penn State at home, I'm going to go eighty-five sixty-seven. That's what I got. I think that's a game where Michigan State snaps out of their eighty-five sixty-seven. Yeah, I was say, what I do was they shoot? Say, what do they shoot from the floor to get to eighty-five? I know, but I they haven't. Sco- I mean, listen, they haven't. Scored. They're due. They're, They're due. They are due. I mean, they. they I mean, listen. The, the biggest stat is that when this team scores seventy or more points, I mean, they win at an almost an eighty-five percent clip so it's like and they haven't done it in a while and, and you know it's they haven't it's, scored 70 70 points since january 9th that's, you, yeah well then they would be oh, due and listen yeah, and that's that's when they lost at penn state uh, <laughs> okay well you know, you know it's, it's all it doesn't have you know every right. game's different but, but i mean every other game i'm looking on here you know you score 93 against moorhead you yeah. score 78 against nebraska they put like uh, 100 oh, oh 100 burger on mercy if i remember correctly 110 Eastern, you put up 85. Notre Dame, 72. Oakland, 76. I would say first first stretch of the season, that 70 points was looking, you know, kind of low. Yeah, but. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much does it. We're not going to have any Breslin breakdown next week because obviously it's spring break. So I, I don't know how spring many of these break. we're going to have left. Yeah. All right, you guys going anywhere? Wonderful. I, I will be going to Florida for five days, and man, I, I'm just I I don't I don't care if I like if I. Go go out or anything. I just I, if I could just sit on a beach for five days and do nothing, I will be glad because I need to get out and of this weather, and I just need to go anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere else, God help me. I don't like, blame you. I have had enough. I think it's starting to get to my bones at this point. I'm just I'm just like Ugh. snow snow in your bones. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> supposed, supposed to be getting a ton actually right now. Yeah, I, know. But I haven't, a, I haven't yeah. been up there. We'll see the damages. Yeah. <laughs> you going anywhere, Bobby? Are you? Yeah, to my couch. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have my butt on my couch that and not worry about a thing. Sounds you know? accurate. I'm going to be doing a little bit of both. I'll be going back home on Thursday night, come back here Sunday, do the game, then mm-hmm. go back, and then me, Luke Sloan, and Brandon Shabbath are going to be going to 
Indianapolis to cover the Big Ten tournament. We got a nice, I don't know what hotel we got, but Bach was the one that booked it. Mm. And comparing that Bach, whenever they go on a football road trip, make sure they get a Marriott, mm-hmm. I, I think we'll be good. I know he got yeah. us Wednesday through Friday night. So if this team loses on Thursday night, we're going to have a whole Friday in Indy just to screw around, and it's going to be <laughs> awesome. Spring break. Spring, spring break in Indianapolis. So with that, folks, I think that pretty much covers it. Went over Shea Collie, went over Purdue, Michigan. Preview the upcoming games, the Illinois, future. Penn State, fut- the future. 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 So with that, you guys got anything else to add while I look for a suitable audio clip to send us off in style. Darren, would you like to go first? Uh hey, I'm just I'm happy that I could be a part of my first my first official impact podcast, you know, first podcast I've ever been on Impact. So, you know, hey, glad that the Northwestern crew could get back together again and have a good hour talking with you guys. And I, this is going to be the best one ever Uh-oh. to send us out on. Ready? Oh God. <laughs> Future.